0: Welcome to the Basketball Connections podcast. Basketball Connections is an organization started by FIBA expert and NBA scout coach Terry Layton. The Basketball Connections podcast is a podcast to help players and coaches improve in their game and to learn some important lessons that can also help you improve in life. We hope you enjoy this podcast and thanks again for listening.
1: Uh, Jack, today I have a word in my mind I'd like us to talk about, and it's integrity and coaching integrity. What does integrity mean in our occupation? Now, on my heart right now, we've got some instances in the United States with breaking up our NCAA rules, of bribes and so forth like that going on. But integrity, what does that mean to you in terms of a coach?
0: Yeah, integrity is, is probably... Uh, to me, the most important thing and uh, integrity to me just always means to to always do the right thing that's on your heart. And I think about a, a conversation I had with a, a missionary uh, actually not too long ago where I, I just was really confused about what was right and what was wrong. And uh, he had a good message about um uh, trusting the Holy Spirit and how when you accept Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit enters into your life, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know gives you, gives you a conscience to understand if something kind of feels uncomfortable that it's probably an issue with it and you need to look into it further. And so like I really I think about um, uh, having that integrity is, is always trying to do what is right and just trying to really follow, where this the spirit of God leads me to understand what is right from wrong, and this these NCAA violations are something uh, that I, I'm a, I'm a bit torn about because I you know I don't I don't know which perspective is the right way to look at it. So I'm interested to to hear hear your thoughts. Well,
1: I, I thought of a I had one of my former players, very strong, New York, a Christian kid, comes back from being overseas, is offered a. Uh, assistant in the women's level and the guy that offered to him had been his friend many years ago and comes from a Christian background coach in a Christian college his dad was a Christian coach and he told him unless we're dealing in the gray areas we're not going to be very successful and that really bothered the player and it bothered me that you know can we be clear in the areas we're dealing in and uh, is the gray area where we want to be Right. To me, it's not where I, I want to be. And maybe that's one reason I never took a, a D1 assistant job because I found very few guys that were men of integrity, men of honesty, and they were more interested in building the character of their
0: players than the W's and L's, even though the W's and L's are important. Yeah. That's interesting that you, that you bring that up because uh, the whole reason why I, I left my company uh world hoops recently was because of of my business partners continuously uh working in the gray area and and forcing me to do that uh on almost on a daily basis and and there are so many issues like that where i i'm like you i i don't want to be in the gray area you know i'm a i'm the type of person that i know what's right and what's wrong and and uh I always want to try to do what's right. I, don't, I can't consciously, I can't operate out of good integrity and know that that I'm bending the rules just for my own benefit.
1: When I think of the whole cycle in the U.S. right now where we have AAU club teams which get contracts from shoe companies and their way of getting the next job in the college level is by what players are able to get on their teams. Yep. So a lot of teaching, they do just a lot of playing games, and then they go on and get a job as an assistant coach with it. And the way they get to be a head coach is by the winning aspect. So the winning dominate what they're doing with it. And the salaries we just had a, a coach in our state, Colorado, here, that's not good at coaching longer. He's making nine hundred six thousand dollars a year, and that's not very much. It's some of the D1 level where you have that, and an assistants making three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Hmm. but both have got screwed up with their integrity and what they were doing and how they were treating people but I just you know there's one book called The Winning Word and it talks about taking a word for the year and making it your word and I just think you know integrity could be that word for us in everything we're doing and uh, you've just been in a part of the world where there's bribery and some things going on and integrity with it I'm in Latin America we caught it uh, Mobita is a little bite where you have right people to get things done Yeah. But how can we show our integrity and one of I have two compliments from two different guys that I worked with and for. and I think one guy says my language improved when I was around you because you didn't use that kind of language and yeah. the other guy said you really made a difference in me and even though I never said it to you but you made a difference in how you acted and reacted to what you were doing so I'm going to Hook
0: on the word integrity is my word for the year. And you know, I think about what you just said is is um, about something as simple as improving the language. Um, As coaches, you know we we need to focus on all the little details on, on how we present ourselves and how we act and carry ourselves because all those little details impact the people that we coach, not, not just for the time that we coach them, but it impacts them for life. And so when our players see us do anything out of poor character or, or poor integrity, um, player, players pick up on that stuff. And, and they, all of a sudden they, they think we are, you know, we are influential figures in being coaches. And so if, if, we, if we give them those types of perspectives, then they're going to think it's okay to do for the rest of their life.
1: And I really focus on who died this week. Billy Graham, what a man of integrity. I think of Billy Graham and John Wood died at about 99 years old. But both those men had an impact on presence, normal people, players, everybody around them because of their their belief in God and their integrity of how they lived their life. Uh, I remember going to a Billy Graham revival in the Oakland Alameda Coliseum and I'm in the top row I Go, how does he know that where I'm at to speak right to me how did you know what I hmm. need to hear here tonight yeah. I thought he was speaking right to me that night Yep. so okay let's talk a little basketball we may have to convert this into two different sessions with it I just thought we ought to mention the flex do you use the flex or any of the flex cuts in what you do
0: yeah I mean it's it's interesting uh, before uh, we started recording this you had mentioned that uh, that flexes is, is something that you're not necessarily some something that you're gonna go to all the time and uh, I, I'm the same way as is it's not a, a set offense that I would that I would train my players in but it's interesting to think about how many times I use the flex screen um, to get open shots during to get specific open layups uh, when when we need them at key points in the game
1: and I love- at NBA teams that most every NBA team has some flex cut in what they were doing. Yep. And I look at you looking out of bounds plays underneath the basket where they come into a flex. Side out of bounds plays into a flex. Early offense we flow right into a flex. And uh, for people that know know there are a number of videos on the flex that you can go to YouTube and watch variations of the flex. Carol Williams was one of our guys. Ron Ryder was another guy in Pennsylvania that was really good at the flex. Uh, we had a junior college coach here in Colorado that he was running, he called spots, and it was a flex hmm. before we ever had a flex. He called it spots. But uh, there are a lot of variations with the flex, with it, where you have two people at the top, one on the low post, two at the spread wings. And from there, you can run it cut where you cut below that guy at the low post or in between that guy and the screen coming down or above those. Those are three different options. I like the Ruben Magnano one where Ruben Magnano makes his screen up by the elbow. And he gives a lot more room for open cutting near the basket, especially as the guy in the low post pops out so you don't bring in defense into it. And then mm-hmm. there's also variations... If you want to not move your postman just to go and push him from block to block and not have him come out if you don't want to come out with him. or the same way if you want your same shooter to go corner to corner you could do there's variation so there's an awful lot of good variations with the flex if you want to run it to me it's been a real high scoring in an offense but yet at the higher levels there's people using parts of the flex uh, right if you were playing against the flex, how
0: do you defend it? I remember w- when we, uh, when I was coaching in the U.S. and and there was a school that we would play every year. Uh, they had they had run the flex uh, for quite a while, and uh, and it was it was always difficult to defend because no matter how much you coach your players, um, eventually they're going to fall asleep and they're going to miss one of those screens and uh, and they're going to get an open layup and it was just so frustrating to watch, but. Um, I guess that like for my players when we when we play against something like that it a a lot of what we teach defensively um, we we're always just switching screens um, because we're we don't really have any size advantages or disadvantages so we just make sure that we know where the cutters are going and uh, and we just stay there we have a guy just staying there and switching the screens
1: I find the same thing. That switching is one of the better ways to do that. The other one is once you identify it as the flex, just stay in a zone. Yeah. Just sense it, switch, it in. So just going to zone it up from there on out with it. Yeah. And, uh, that has some of the same effect
0: with it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, um, like a lot, of, a lot of times when we when we will run some set plays. With a with some flex screens is when teams are playing zone against us, um, because it and and we're actually not doing it for the guy coming off of the screen, but we're doing it for the guy setting the screener that can uh, roll back into the gap.
1: Right. So you do it for a different reason with it. Yeah. Uh, I find I see a lot of high school teams that just run, flex the whole game, and I really think you need a two or three minute offense that in the game. That you can't continue to run that same thing. At the high school level you get away with it a little more than you can in college. You need to have some two minute offenses, three minute offenses, or counters to the flex that may have the same formation but aren't doing the same thing.
0: Right.
1: And I think on a weekly basis in your practice you need to run a uh, one minute, two minute, three minute, or four minute type of what well, will you run the last minute? Or
0: yeah i I totally agree with that I, I just uh, a lot of times coaches ask me what kind of offense I run and, and I don't have a specific answer because i my whole philosophy is is I train my guys to have high basketball IQs and to uh, to be extremely skilled so that if if there's a point in a game where, where we need to run something like flex or post motion I can draw it up and they can execute it and that's another thing that need to do in our practice
1: we probably don't do enough drawing up in our practice and then we do it in the game and the kids are a little confused because we haven't trained them and we haven't trained ourselves to be better at drawing it up and to be honest with i'm not very good at drawing up i'm not very artistic i'm not very you know i'm hard to read that and so i have to practice it in practice when you have timeouts in practice for water breaks it's good to draw up something coming out of that. So you practice, they practice coming out of the timeout. Something you've got to do offensively, defensively.
0: That's a good tip.
1: I just want to put the word out on, on something. I everybody doesn't know that you're going to be moving back to the U.S., so you're going to be looking for some coaching jobs. And uh, give me your email address now. You should, they should go by.
0: Yeah. So now my my new email address I'm using right now is a r n o l one c s. At sbcglobal.net, so that's Arnold One CS at sbcglobal.net, and we'll be. We're looking to move back in June, and uh, I'm definitely looking for some camps and coaching opportunities.
1: Yeah. So if you hear anything, you can send it there or send it to Terry and I will forward it on. Again, camps are a great way of making contacts and finding out about jobs. I also mentioned poopdirt.com is a real good location to watch for college jobs and uh, they're starting to be reacting right now. February to March late, start opening up a lot more of those job situations. So anyway, uh, have a good week, have a good basketball week and we'll come back in a little
0: bit and do this again. Thanks for listening to the Basketball Connections podcast. If you have any questions for Coach Leitner or myself over these topics that we discussed today, you can email coach at TerryBounce at Hotmail.com, or you can reach me at Arnold1CS at SBCGlobal.net. Thanks again for listening.